Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Thank you, Narda, worship team. Thank you, David and Sharon, for encouraging us and challenging us with what the Lord is saying in the moment. You know, there's a, it's interesting that, that uh, Sharon shared that word about uh, just shame, condemnation, and guilt. Um, is, I've, just, I've just been in Romans 8, like, over and over. I keep, I keep reading Romans 8. And so it's kind of like I just, just get up and I'm like, I'm going to read it again. <laughs> I'm going to read this until I, until I really get it. I mean, I think I get it, but I, I, under, I understand it mentally at least. But do I, do I really get it? Do I really understand that there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm not a slave anymore. I'm a son or I'm a, if you're a daughter, you're a daughter. I'm a child of the living God. I walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. I don't know. So if you need to read Romans 8 like 37 times or whatever, go for it. Uh, it's, it's good. It's, it's good uh, to just declare truth over yourselves. If you're, if you're in those kind of battles with those, those three things especially, I think that would be very helpful uh, to battle those things. So uh, we're going we're gonna to jump into a book of the Bible that we rarely go into on Sundays in churches in general except uh, for the offering. Uh, but we're going to go to a different section. And so that's the book of Malachi. The book of Malachi, or if you don't know how to pronounce it, it looks like Malachi. But it's Malachi. Okay, so Malachi chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. And so if you weren't here last week, we, were, uh, we looked at some prophetic uh, promises and, and prophetic words of the coming of Jesus his life, his, his birth, his, uh, his ministry uh, from, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. And so we're, we're going to stay on that theme at least for, for another week. Uh, and so this is one that you may, is not really familiar. I was not even super familiar with it myself. I know I've read it before, uh, but it was really just highlighted to me uh, actually last week in preparation uh, before I got to Isaiah. This is the one that jumped out at me. And so we're going to look at it today. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we talked about there's so many prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament, so many little pictures of who he is, that it would be literally impossible for anyone to just accidentally fulfill all those things. And that the life, that the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus are all prophesied and, and promised in the Old Testament over 300 times. Some of them are just little one-line one things. Some of them are longer sections like Isaiah 53 or you got Psalm 22 or different things like that. Isaiah 9, um, a lot of Isaiah, Isaiah 9, 11, you know, 61. You could just go, uh, a lot of Isaiah is Jesus. And so all those promises are pointing to the one who's going to come and the Messiah that's going to come, come free his people. 
And so this is another one that, that you may not be familiar with, but I, I feel like it's, it's what the Lord wants us to focus on today. So we're going to jump into it. And uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Word of God as we read it right now. Illuminate our souls and our understandings in Jesus' name. So Malachi 3 and verse 1, and it says this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears, for he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I... I will come to you to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. So it gets kind of heavy and serious there at the end, doesn't it? It's like, whoa. Merry Christmas, Pastor John. Once again, right? I feel like I do that every year. Like one time you, you all come and you're like, Merry Christmas? <laughs> but I want us to focus first on the part there that talks about the coming of Jesus. And if you didn't see it right there, I'm just going to bring it out for you a little bit. Uh, in verse 1, there's John the Baptist. In verse 1, it says, God says, I'm going to send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. John the Baptist was promised in the Old Testament, also in Isaiah chapter 40, where it says, hey, there's going to be someone that comes that prepares the way of the Lord. In other words, he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so John, that's the promise right here. Malachi is letting us know, hey, I'm talking about this guy that's coming before the one. And so, of course, John the Baptist fulfills that. He's born in uh, you know, right before Jesus, just a, just a number of months before Jesus, and he begins his ministry before Jesus begins his ministry, and he, he has a message of repentance. And his message is this, hey, repent, for the kingdom of God is, is near. In other words, he's coming. You've got to prepare your hearts. You've got to, as we talked about on Wednesday, you have, some, you have to position yourself to be ready to receive what God has. And so that's the, that is the purpose of, uh, many times of repentance in our own lives. When God causes us to say, hey, we need to deal with this issue right here, it's to prepare the way for what the Lord wants to do in your life. So He prepares the way where you are turning away from your own way or your own thinking or your own agenda and preparing you for His agenda. We talked about this on, on Wednesday night. Um, is Is this, there were... There were so many who didn't recognize Jesus, yet there were some who did. And they were moved by the Spirit. They were, they were, they were prepared to receive because they were, they were in a relationship with God. They had openness to what God was doing. And so when Jesus showed up, you had a guy that could pick him out of a bunch of babies in a temple and say, that's the one. That's Simeon in Luke chapter 2, if, if you need to look that up later. But he was moved by the Spirit and he was promised to see God's Messiah. 
And he could pick him out as just a baby that was eight days old in the temple. Yet later, when Jesus is grown up, he's an adult, he's in his ministry, he's doing miracles right in front of the people who should have recognized him. They don't recognize who he is. And so there needs to be a preparation. So God is always preparing the way. So when you, when you have the Lord dealing with you in an issue, it's not to bring condemnation. It's not to put you into guilt so you feel horrible about yourself. It's so that you can repent and you can be ready to, to receive what God is sending in your future. He's saying, you, I have to prepare the way. And so... There's the prophecy. I mean, that's interesting too. John the Baptist shows up several times in the Old Testament too. He's pictured also by Elijah. He dresses the same way. He's got, you know, he's got the belt around his waist. He eats locusts. That's exactly what Elijah did. Um, And so then it says, Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant. And who's that, of course? You can say the church answer now. (laughs) <laughs> that's it yeah <laughs> jesus okay have you ever have you ever taught children in sunday school or children's class and you know you just ask the question and they just they just say jesus you know it's a, it's a good chance i mean <laughs> no we we're talking about david and goliath the guy that threw the <laughs> jesus no close so uh he was a picture of him so then then it says look then suddenly the lord you're seeking will come to his temple you know, when Jesus arrived, it was a suddenly. It, was, it's, it says in the scriptures, uh, in the fullness of time in the book of Galatians, in the full, at just the right time. It wasn't like a, you know, it wasn't just random. God just said, okay, I've been waiting long enough, getting tired. Jesus is up there. When do I get to know? <laughs> hey, is it time yet, Father? I wanna, I'm getting bored up here. <laughs> No, it wasn't like that. It was like the exact right time, the moment that Jesus needed to be born, the fullness of time. God shows up at just the right time. And it's a suddenly. When, when God finally does something, it can be a suddenly. You know, it's like we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. And then what? Suddenly, something changes. Suddenly something in my heart happens. Suddenly something in the person I'm, I'm believing God for, there's, there's God shows up and it's boom. He's in the temple. He's here. He's now. He's doing something amazing in, in this place. And so it's the same way when Jesus shows up. And of course there's a picture of there also of Jesus literally showing up in the temple. You know, Jesus did that twice when he was on earth during his life. At the start of his ministry, he shows up and what does he do? He cleanses the temple. What was his cleansing like? He started throwing tables and whipping people. That's what it says in the Bible. He's at least putting the whip toward him. I don't, it doesn't say whether he touched him or not. So, but he's like, he's like flipping over the tables. He's thrashing everything around because they turned the worship of God into just a transaction of finances. They just turned it into a ritual transaction it's like you just do this and you do this and then it happens it's like there was there was no holiness there was no worship there was no there was no awe there was no wonder there was no interaction and that's what god wanted he wanted a relationship 
When God suddenly showed up in the temple in the Old Testament, there's a few times when they dedicated the temple for the first time. It says the glory of God came down in the temple of Solomon. And it says nobody could do anything because they were on the ground because of the power and the presence of God. You know, that's what the, the temple was for. The temple was for the presence of God. It was for the purification of sins. And it was for worship. And they had turned it into just a, a, a place where, here, you've got to do this, do this ritual thing. You've got to do this religious thing. And, of course, hey, we're going to be making a lot of money here doing this. And they were ripping the people off, of course. That's one of the reasons Jesus was really upset was because they were, they were taking their money uh, and making a profit out of the worship, you know, the worship of God. And so Jesus shows up at the start of his ministry. He cleanses the temple, but it, he also does it right at the end. As he's about to go to the cross, he shows up at the temple on the last week he's on earth before he dies. Uh, and he, he does the same thing. He cleanses the temple. I mean, it's just interesting that he did that twice. That he did it at the start and he did it at the end. And then it says here, what does it say that this messenger is going to do? He's going to refine and purify. You know, part of the work that the Lord has to do in us is to refine and purify us. You know, the the words there in in the Hebrew, they're all related to like the, the, the fire with the metal, you know, they're... They would heat up the metal, of course, and then the impurities rise to the top and they take the impurities out. But there's, there's a lot of heat, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on to purify this metal. And so the same thing can be said of the work of the messenger in my life. There's a, there's a refining and a purifying that has to go on sometimes. I, I, need, to, I need to be cleansed of my tendency of pride. To rely on myself, to rely on my own wisdom, to rely on my own giftings even and talents that that God has created me with. To to trust in those things instead of Him. Because man, God's given us lots of gifts and sometimes we just trust what He's given us. uh, Rather than trusting Him, it becomes just a transaction rather than a relationship. And so he wants us to have a relationship where God can be, come into our lives and say, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna refine you right now. We're going to smooth out the edges. If you think of it this way, you could think of it like if you work with wood, when you kind of sand the edges, right? How, do, how does sand, does anybody know how to sand? I don't. Come on, help me out. <laughs> Jerry says no. <laughs> okay. When you sand something, right, what do you start with? Do you start with the really fine sandpaper? No, you start with the coarse stuff. It's like the stuff when you rub, if you rub your hand on it, don't try it at home. You you can actually, you can cut yourself with some of that stuff. You can like cut your hand up with sandpaper. And so you start with the rough things. So the, so sometimes the refining process, if we, if we made it look like wood, right? It starts with the heat with metal, but it starts with the roughness. So you're like, ow! <laughs> that kind of hurts, Lord. <laughs> He's like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, we gotta start with the coarse things here. We're gonna, we gotta shave, we gotta get the, 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 the roughness off of this. So we gotta, we gotta get it down. If I'm just gonna use super light sandpaper, we're gonna be here forever. We got to start, and then it gets used 
finer and finer sandpaper until finally you're almost using paper that feels like there's nothing on there. But there is. If you rub it too hard on your hand, you'll realize, oh, I've got a, I've got a facial going on if you rub it on your face or something, right? Uh, 2,000 grit. I don't, I'm not recommending that, just for the clarification, um, men or ladies. Um, but it's a, it's a process. Refining is a process. It's not, a, it's not always an instantaneous work. So if you find yourself in, in a refining process in your relationship with God, then guess what? That's the work of Jesus. That can be the work of Jesus. That's part of His work. We have it pictured here. We have it demonstrated in Him coming to the temple at the start of His ministry and at the end of His ministry before He goes to the cross. He cleanses it. He clears the way. He, he gets rid of stuff that doesn't belong. And in the New Testament, of course... It all changes because God says, now you're the temple. The temple's not a building. This, this building is not any more special other than what we use it for. It's special because we're here. Because we're the people of God and we're gathered here. Apart from that, there's no magic here. We can do this any place. This, 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 you know, we're blessed with the building, but the building doesn't hold a special, you know, special aura or something in it. It's because the people of God are here together, worshiping God, loving Him and loving one another, where the presence of God dwells. That's, that's what marks us as, as the temple. And so we're, we become the temple. And so if Jesus had to cleanse the physical temple, yeah, He's got to come cleanse and refine the, those who are the temple spiritually in Him, right? And so just know that he's refining and purifying his people. We've definitely been in a season of refining and purification these last couple years, amen? Have you, have you all noticed that? Uh, or are you still fighting it? We have been getting tested. Another one of the tools that the Lord uses to refine us is testing. James says, count it all joy when you face trials. <laughs> Sometimes, I don't know about that guy, James. <laughs> count it all joy when you are facing trials. And it's like, oh man, that is that doesn't make sense in my head for sure. So what refining is, is, is the Lord doing in you right now? What, what purifying work is he, is he working in the way you think? Is He working in the way you talk? Is He working in the way you feel? Is He working in the way that you are processing life? What is, how is He refining and purifying that? Man, I, I mean, there's so, so many things. Have you ever, you know, you all know this. When you have a bad day in the morning, it's hard to get the rest of the day going, right? When it starts off wrong, whatever that wrong thing is. If you're married, it's usually with your spouse, right? <laughs> if you're not married, I don't remember. It's been too long. So <laughs> whatever that is, maybe it's on the drive to work or something. Uh, maybe it's just waking up and facing the reality of where you're at. Or I don't know. But 
if it starts off wrong because you you know you just you just get off track you know you get and then you're focused on all the wrong things you think all the things wrong you feel things wrong and then you sit down uh, if you're wise you you sit down with Jesus and you go okay God and usually you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna read the Bible so I'm gonna you know and and if there's something that's in your heart that has to be dealt with towards somebody else whether it's your spouse or your kids or your boss, where you go to work, whatever it is, you know, it's amazing that it's like the Bible, you know, I might as well be reading it upside down <laughs> or backwards or whatever because it's just like, this, this is, nothing's happening here until I deal with what's going on in my heart. That's how he refines us. He says, guess what? You're going to forgive that person. You're going to forgive. You're going to release that to me. You're going to, you're going to let that go. We might have to do it again tomorrow, but we're going to do it today. We might have to do it again at noon when you have a quiet moment. We're going to do it today. So I don't, I don't know. The question I have is this. What purifying and refining work is the Lord doing in your life right now? What is, it, what is he trying to, what table is he turning over in you? Where is there a place where there's transactions going on with the world that are, that are unholy? Where he's like, look, we can't, we, we can't have all this stuff going on in the temple. I mean, imagine if we thought ourselves, ourselves as the temple. That kind of changes everything. Have you ever heard, I know if you used to still, forgive me, for, the, for those of you who have been in a long time, just cover your ears for a second, okay? <laughs> but have you ever heard the phrase, people say, well, I wouldn't do that in church, right? Suddenly there's people that can like cuss like a whatever, you know, and then they'll come and, you know, they can hold it off for a little while, right? Because <laughs> I'm in a church. Because what is that? That's a view that this is a special temple, right? It's a view that this place is, is holy. It's set apart. It's, you know, something important. But so if we change it around, though, and we're the temple, then it, it means everywhere I go is the temple. <laughs> Everything I'm a part of, I'm bringing into the temple. I'm bringing into the temple of the Holy Spirit. That changes up my perspective a little bit about how I live my life. It doesn't mean I become legalistic and, uh, you know, living under condemnation. It, becomes, it means I become aware and I'm like, Lord, I, w- I want to have this relationship with you. But if I'm the temple, I, you know, there's, if I'm going to set up things that are worshiping something other than you, then guess what? You're going to come in and sometimes you're going to flip that table over. Because you love me enough to say, this table is not my table. What's being sold on this table is not my gifts. <laughs> these are not my offerings. These, these are not, not my blessings. And so we, we've got we've to cleanse those out of this temple. And so, you know, it says there that he, he will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. God is, you know, he's not, he's not in a rush. You know, he'll, he'll take a seat and say, We're, I'm in for the long haul. 
I'm, I'm here to do the long work in your life. I'm here to do something that's going to transform you. I'm going to, I'm going to make you a different person, but I'm committed. I am patient. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to turn up the fire until I get your attention. Will you let me refine you? Will you let me purify you? So then, then when you bring the offering, it's going to be righteous. In other words, there's going to be a transformation about what comes out of your heart is going to be different because of the work he does inside of you. But it also says before that that he is the messenger of the covenant. I want to, I want to focus in on this one for a second. So we've talked about the refining work of Jesus, but I want to talk about the messenger side of Jesus. It says he's the messenger of the covenant. Whenever you see the word covenant in the Bible, uh, we don't use we don't use that word in like society. We don't we don't know what that is in general. But a covenant was was a agreement made with blood between two people that join them together forever. I mean, this is, it was not a contract. It was not a commitment. It was not a sign, just a signed piece of paper. It was life to life, life for life. My life for your life. And so when it says Jesus is the Messiah here, is the messenger of the covenant, then he's saying something. He's like, look, the covenant is a long-term commitment, a long-term love. It's not... A temporary passion. It's not a fling. It's not an affair. It's not something that just happens in a moment. It's not something that runs out over time. It's not something that's diminished by all the things and the actions of other people. No, it says, I have a long-term commitment of love to you. And so when Jesus came, he was coming with what in the Old Testament, they would have said this, his chesed love. The Hebrew word is for love, like God's love, His covenant love is is chesed. It's, you got to have that c h e s d. If we if we c h e s e d, if we transliterate it into English, but God's chesed love is His His covenant love. His love that says, "I am I'm going to give all that I have for you." You know, in the book of Malachi, uh, like the first whole section of it is like I mean, it's kind of. A little bit of depressing, you know. Have you ever read the Old Testament prophets? And you go sometimes, man, dude, can you can you find a cheer pill or something, man? Because this is kind of kind of rough. <laughs> but you had you had him like saying, hey, I, all this you've turned away from me, you've you've wandered away from me again and again and again and again. Have you ever been rejected by somebody? Don't you have a point where you just kind of like flip the switch and say, I'm done. All right, I'm done with you. The good news is God didn't have that switch. He said, in spite of all that stuff that you've done, I'm still sending my messenger. And he's, he's not just a messenger of, of judgment. He's not just a messenger of, you know, fire and brimstone. Although he has that, clear from the scripture that there's judgment. But he's the messenger first of the covenant. God's covenant love, his heart for, some, for a people long term. The word covenant means to, to cut, really. The, the, the root of the Hebrew word is like, it, it's, a, it's, it's implying there, there's a cut and there's blood and there's, there's, 
There's two coming together. And so the amazingness of this messenger is that Jesus is the messenger who comes with a message of a new, new covenant. What is, what is the new covenant? It's the, it's the death and resurrection, the body and blood of Jesus. He says, my blood is, is the thing that seals the new covenant. You know, in the Old Testament practices, in, in what, even in non-God-following cultures, they had covenants, and they were called blood covenants. You have two families that would come together, and they would, many times, they would, they would say, we're going to come into a covenant together, and then they would have the leaders, the leaders of those tribes or families or nations, they would pass through an animal that was cut in half, and so they would walk through the blood together representing each side and then basically the idea was this upon our lives will we break this covenant the good news is this jesus because he was both god and man represented both sides of the covenant for god's covenant with us in the new covenant that's why it's a forever covenant because jesus went to the cross and he walked through the Blood of, you know, literally he's walking, he's giving himself his own blood. He was torn open, literally, and, but he represented man and God. How well is Jesus keeping the covenant in heaven as the forever God-man? Perfectly. That's why the new covenant is so good, because it's not up to your ability to keep it. I mean, think about... Even as a believer in Jesus, how many times do I still mess up? <laughs> Just about every day, right, Michael? Or every hour sometimes, whatever. It depends on how bad the day is, right? <laughs> depends if I'm just by myself or if I actually meet a human being, right? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and who that human being is, right? If you're an introvert, you're like, well, the less the better, right? Um <laughs> Sorry, that's just how we feel. Um, we love you, but just, anyway, not get off track. So, but the covenant, the covenant that God made with us through Jesus is this. Jesus is the representative of humanity. And that's why we get his righteousness on our lives as believers in Jesus. That's why it's good news. Because now... It's not up to you to do all the right stuff to make it into heaven to be right with God. Yet we still live like it is sometimes, don't we? It's so easy that I feel better about my relationship with God when I'm doing a good job, right? It doesn't mean he doesn't want us to do a good job, but he wants it to come from our heart, not from our, you know, not from a, a have to, but from a want to. I mean, think about our own children. Isn't it, you know, sometimes we do have to, you have to lay down the law and say, We're, you're not going to do that. <laughs> you have to stop doing that. <laughs> Please. <laughs> but isn't it so much better? I'd rather my kids just, when they just do it, because they just say, I just wanted to do it. I just thought of this, and so I, I did it. And you're like, oh, my gosh, wow. Miracles do happen, right? 
the work of God is being displayed right before me <laughs> in, in my child. And so isn't that so much, you know, if your kid does something because you tell them to do it, you're like, okay, that's great. I mean, sometimes it has to be done, right? But when they just do it out of, the, out of their love, out of their just relationship with you, it's like, daddy, I just wanted to do this. That's what God wants. That's the relationship He wants with us. And He made the way so that we don't have to rely on our own failings. Because if it was up to us, just like it was in the Old Testament, what? They bro- the people broke the covenant. They, c- they couldn't keep the law. They couldn't do it. And in fact, God says, hey, in Romans, it's like it was never meant for you, them to keep the law. It was just to show them you can't. That's what the Ten Commandments are there for, to know you can't keep them all. Should we keep them? Sure, because we love God and we love other people. But we can't on our own. We need, we need a, a messenger to give us something that we don't have on our own. And that's what the messenger of the covenant is. He comes and he announces when Jesus is on earth, he says, look, the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. So repent so you can receive what I have to give you from heaven so that you're prepared to receive the new covenant. Where he promised in the Old Testament, I'm going to take out your heart of stone and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. In other words, you weren't able to respond to God, but now you're able to respond to God. And so he's a messenger of the new covenant. Aren't you glad And Jesus, that's... He didn't have many messages that he preached. I mean, he got the Sermon on the Mount. I get that. But it says in the, when Jesus started his ministry, it was all about the kingdom and leading to the covenant. It was like, hey, it's, it's all about this. You get this and you get in and then you get to learn how, it, you, know, how you operate when you're in my kingdom. But you got to get in. And I think here we get a preview here, just at the end of the scripture here. I just want to highlight this for just a minute before we close. Uh, It's the serious verses there. He says, so I'll come and put you on trial. I'll be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, those who swear falsely, perjurers, and against those who, you know, oppress or defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress widows and the fatherless and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. You know, God has a heart towards the downtrodden. Toward those who've been beat down, to those who've been oppressed. He's, he has a bias, maybe. Maybe that's not quite the right word, but it's the word I'm going to use. Because uh, who, are, who are the ones close to his heart here at the end? The oppressed worker, the fatherless, the, the orphan, the one who doesn't have any, any parents. That could be maybe physically or maybe even just relationally. The widow... And, and the foreigner among you, the stranger among you. Those are the ones whose God's watching out for. All throughout the Old Testament, man, how many times does he say the fatherless and the widow? And so God's heart is reaching out. Why, when Jesus showed up, who were, the, who were the ones that came to him? The elite? The ones who, who knew it all? The religious people? No, it was, it was like the prostitutes 
and, and the, the sinners, all the people who everybody else thought was really not good enough, all the ones who couldn't get into the temple before, who couldn't get into the presence of God before, they're in the presence of God. He shows up and they're like, yes, I'm coming towards you. And all the religious people, they kept their distance. So I don't know. I just want to make sure that I'm more like those people than a, than a Pharisee. And one of the best ways for that to happen is for me to have my heart open to what God's doing in my life, to what he's, how He's refining me. Will you receive the messenger of the new covenant? Will you receive what He's saying to you? Will you receive what He's holding out to you? So I want us to just, let's just close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. If you want to stand up, go ahead and stand up. Change your position. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're here and you've never, you've never entered into this thing about covenant with God. You've never been forgiven of your sins. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never understood that He loves you so much that He, he came and He died Himself for you. To bring you into relationship with Him through His death, through His body and His blood, through His resurrection, that He didn't stay dead. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus and made repented of your way and trusted in Jesus and made Him your Lord and Savior, uh, we want to give you that opportunity. So if that's you, just kind of lift your hand really quickly and show me, hey, I, I, need to, I need to give my heart to Jesus today. There's one. Anybody else? Anybody says, I need, I need to give my heart to Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see those hands. Anybody else? Anybody says, I, I need to, I need to get, get right with the Lord today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, for those of us that maybe didn't raise our hands, if you already have that relationship and the covenant with, with the Lord and you know you're a child of the King, uh, I just ask you once again to, to just ask Him, Lord, what are, you, what are you trying to refine in my life? What are you, what are you, what are you doing to, to sand off the edges and make them smooth so I don't keep poking people? So don't keep cutting people around me and, and harming them when I don't even realize it. What needs to be burned out of my life? And just, just whatever, maybe God just shows you something right now. Maybe He's just reminds you and says, you're in the process. Just trust me in the process. Just trust me. So, Father, right now, we thank you for what you are doing in our lives. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that it's your work. Lord, I can't, I can't save anybody. I can't free anybody, but you sure can. You sure can purify people. You sure can deliver them from uh, addiction. You sure can deliver them from fear and shame and condemnation. You can set them free to walk in, in joy and, and peace even in the middle of a crazy world or a crazy life or a crazy situation, God, that there is 
power in our relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that we're the temple, Lord. Anything you need to cleanse in us, we, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We just say, come, come and cleanse anything that doesn't, doesn't belong here. Anything that's distracting from uh, my worship of you, my relationship with you, come and clear that away in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I want to invite leaders, come on up. If you're, if you're a leader here that's, that's ready to pray, come on up uh, today. If you, need, if you need prayer for healing, if you need prayer for a situation, or if you raised your hand and you just want somebody to pray with you about making a decision for Jesus, then I encourage you to, to come up and receive prayer from, from somebody today before you go. Uh, don't leave here without, without letting someone agree with you uh, about what's going on, what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. So uh, come uh, and get prayer. If you're not getting prayer, fellowship, bless one another. Uh, be blessed as you go, and we'll, we'll see you on Wednesday. But please, if you need prayer, please come get prayer before you leave.